you have your Bible with you, open it up to the Gospel of Matthew in chapter 19, first book of the New Testament. If you do not have a Bible uh, with you, uh, there should be one in the pew rack near you. And uh, if you're uh, not familiar with the Scripture, maybe somebody around you could help you find the Gospel of Matthew. I'd like you to turn there. We're going to read this morning. We're going to begin reading in verse 13. Look at a couple of verses that we actually considered on Father's Day a couple of weeks ago, but then we're going to read on through, and we're going to read down through verse 26. Begin reading. Then children were brought to him that he might lay his hands on them and pray. The disciples rebuked the people, but Jesus said, let the little children come to me and do not hinder them. For to such belongs the kingdom of heaven. And he laid his hands on them and went away. And behold, a man came up to him saying, Teacher, what good deed must I do to have eternal life? Jesus said to him, Why do you ask me about what is good? There is only one who is good. If you would enter life, keep the commandments. And he said to him, which ones? Jesus said, you shall not murder, you shall not commit adultery, you shall not steal, you shall not bear false witness, honor your father and mother, and you shall love your neighbor as yourself. The young man said to him, all these things I have kept, what do I still lack? Jesus said to him, if you would be perfect... Go, sell what you possess, and give to the poor, and you will have treasure in heaven. And come, follow me. When the young man heard this, he went away sorrowful, for he had great possessions. Jesus said to his disciples, truly I say to you, only with difficulty will a rich person enter the kingdom of heaven. Again, I tell you, it's easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for a rich person to enter the kingdom of heaven. When the disciples heard this, they were greatly astonished, saying, Who then can be saved? But Jesus looked at them and said, With man this is impossible, but with God all things are possible. Father, as we have read your word, would you honor the reading of it by speaking to our minds, speaking to our hearts, speaking to our lives, both we who are your followers and those who have come and gathered in this place with the intent of, of hearing your gospel, whether they knew it or not, that is why you have brought them here, that they might hear your truth. And so speak to each one of us and do your work, Christ's name, amen. As the Spirit of God moved Matthew to write this and then also the events of Jesus' life, I think it's just really cool to look and to see that the first part of Matthew 19, and we did this three weeks ago and then on Father's Day, we looked at Jesus' teaching on marriage and his teaching on divorce. 
We talked about the husband-wife relationship. Uh, this is what we did in Ecuador last, uh, last weekend, uh, or last week when we, we were there, those among the Shuar community, uh, one of the indigenous people groups that are there, uh, as, as they are uh, lately coming into Christ and still learning what things look like to be a Christian. And so we went to teach on the most important aspect of the family, husband-wife relationship. And, and, and so it, it was just a fitting thing for us to have considered that here together. And I, I would encourage you, if you've got questions about Christian marriage, see us, one of the elders, one of our deacons, and, and if you want to know more about what that looks like. And, and we have uh, resources on our, on our website and other things that, that you can turn to. But linked then with this teaching on marriage instantly, Little children were brought to him that he might lay his hands on them and pray. As we ministered among the Shuar last, uh, last week, we began to realize that the children, particularly the young girls and young women, are suffering greatly. And they are suffering abuse at the hands sometimes of their, their family members. And you say, yeah, a lot of that goes on here too. Yeah, but there is an estimate. Uh, one of the women gave us an estimate that 80% to 90% of the young girls are molested. Just let that sink in. Little children. It should not have to experience the shame and the abuse that takes place. Little children. And, 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 and now we see this here. Little children being brought to Christ. And parents, that's what we are doing. Amen. We are bringing our children to Christ by teaching them the Word of God, by showing them what Christ looks like in the home, in the church, in, in your business relations, in all of those things, we are bringing our children to Christ with the desire that he would scoop them up, that he would hold them, that he would save them. That is what every Christian parent desires for children. And so a strong marriage will go a long way in displaying the character of Christ to your children. And they often brought children to the rabbis, to the, to the elders, to be blessed. They would lay their hands on them. In Mark's account of this, it says that Jesus would, would lift each child up and hold them and bless them. He wasn't in any hurry. Wasn't in any hurry at all. It's interesting that the disciples actually rebuked the people who were bringing the children. They didn't look like Christ at all. I mean, maybe they were ir irritated that Jesus was being interrupted in his instructions to them. It was, it was their own personal irritation. But Mark tells us in his gospel that when they did that, he rebuked them and, and, and that he was indignant. 
He was indignant with his disciples. How dare you drive away these who are bringing their parents to the source of life? We've got pictures. You'll see them tonight. We've got pictures, particularly Bobby. He's standing in the middle of this room full of children there in the church, and they're just everywhere. And, and, and you'll see pictures of our, of our guys out playing soccer on, a, on the gravel uh, with the little children. Our little children, after the music camp, we saw them gathered. We have a myriad of children. And we need to be bringing them to Christ to be blessed. They need to see Christ in us. And too often, children are to be seen and not heard. And, 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 and I think that irks the Lord even now. Children are and were in Jesus' day. They were precious, but their, their place was to listen. Their place was to learn. Uh, their place was to be, be respectful. And the disciples didn't see the children as important enough to be bothered with, at least on, on this occasion. But the, they were also irritated uh, on lots of occasions. But folks, when people are coming to Christ, we have all the time that we need, just as Jesus took each child and held them. Jesus wouldn't allow the children to be hindered or prevented from coming to him. He says, for such as these... It doesn't say the kingdom belongs to children, but to such people as children. We I put it this way. Kingdom of heaven belongs to those who are like children, not childlike. And, and you know, you've all had kids in home or maybe you've got brothers and sisters or whatever. They can be pretty selfish sometimes, right? <laughs> Jesus isn't talking about those occasions. I mean, what's the first word that, that comes out of many a child's mouth, especially if they have brothers and sisters? Mine. It's mine. It's mine. I want it all. And, uh, and, and so but Jesus isn't saying those type of characteristics. Uh, you, you remember his teaching back in chapter 18, when the disciples, they were having this conversation among themselves about, well, who's going to be the greatest in the kingdom of, of heaven? And Jesus, hearing that conversation and seeing that and hearing their, their question to him, he says, uh, 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 bring me a little child. And they brought a child to him and he put them right in the midst and he said to them, truly, I say to you, unless you turn Repent of this attitude of, of, of thinking that you're something, of thinking that you are great. Until you turn and become like children, you will never enter the kingdom of heaven. Whoever humbles himself like this child is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven. So Jesus is putting children forth as models, patterns for humility because your children have total absolute dependence upon you. They can't provide for themselves. 
They can't feed themselves. They can't change their own diapers. The little ones can't even move themselves from place to place. Every single need that they have has to be met by someone older than they are. And Jesus said, that's what's required of my followers. We are his little ones. We have a childlike faith in Christ. We are totally dependent upon him for everything. We were living death and he brought us life. And he nourishes us through his word, by his spirit. He cares for us. He has brought us, we who could not approach the throne of God, he has brought us to God. He has done everything and continues to do for you, Christian, everything that you need. Don't think you're something when you're nothing. Think of Christ as your everything. You are my all in all, we say. Is that true? Is it true of you? It was his grace. It was his mercy that reached down to our need. As the Father reaches down, as Jesus reached down to scoop up the child. So our Father embraces us and provides for all of our needs. And, and, and the disciples were, were his little ones, and yet they're still not showing any humility at all, not any grace at all, no gentleness at all, no mercy at all. You have been granted all of these things. Should these not be the characteristics that you display everywhere? Christians, we walk around as if we're owed something. We treat each other with disrespect. We talk about each other. We don't have time for each other. And Jesus says, don't prevent the little children. Don't throw up a stumbling block. So we see the kind of people that Jesus receives are the humble. And then God presents to us, as Matthew uh, uh, writes down what happened next, a new, new character is introduced. So Jesus' teaching on marriage and the family and divorce and how God hates it and has never been his intent for it and, and on forgiveness and how the, the children uh, are examples of this humility. And then in contrast to those type of person that Jesus receives, Matthew introduces to us a man. He's identified by all three of the synoptic gospel writers. That's Matthew, Mark, and Luke. He's, 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 he's presented by all three of them as rich. Matthew tells us here in verse 20 that he was young. And Luke, in chapter 18 of, of his gospel, in verse 18, tells us that he was a ruler, probably some sort of a, a synagogue official, that type of, of person. So uh, that's why we call him what? Anybody? The rich young ruler, that's right. Y'all are used to talking back, are you? Rich young ruler. And that's what we call him, and I think it's very fitting for us to call him that. 
And he comes with a question, and it is the great question of humanity. It is the great need of humanity. It is somewhere deep in every soul, this question, what must I do to have eternal life? But that's not what he said. He said, what good deed, what good thing must I do in order to convince God that I'm good enough to come to heaven? That's really the question that is there. Have I overlooked something, Jesus? Because I've been looking at the Jewish law and I've been doing the deeds of the Jewish law. Am I qualified now for eternal life? Because... Jesus, there seems to be something missing. That's, that's the flow of all of this. And Jesus begins to probe him a little bit. Why aren't you satisfied with the law of God? Keep the, the commands of the one who is good. God is the only God and he is the only good Why are you not willing to just keep his commandments and trust in him? Well, the problem is you can't keep the commandments. (laughs) You and I need to have our attention turned to that. Believers and unbelievers alike, if you have never come to faith in Christ, you will learn from this lesson that good works, no matter how many you do, no matter how you can try to pile them up, good works will never get you into heaven. Never gets you right with God. Never. But Christians, I'm concerned that sometimes we fall back onto this type of of thinking. We're trying to please God by doing. The only thing that pleases God is the accomplished work of the Son of God. That's it. That's it. Jesus explained that to another religious leader a Pharisee, his name is Nicodemus, and we don't have time to go there this morning, but you, you know the, uh, John chapter 3, verses 3 through, through 15, he is explaining to the ruler of the Jews, to one of the teachers of the law, that the life in the kingdom is only received through new birth. It is the work of the Spirit of God. And as we see here in what we've read about this rich young ruler, it's a hard issue. A heart issue. Which commandments can save a person, he asks. Well, Jesus, he focuses on the second table of the Ten Commandments. He presents actually the fifth through the the ninth commandments. He he puts the sixth commandment and then the, the seventh and then the eighth and then the ninth and then he gives the fifth. And then he adds Leviticus 19, 18, which sums up all of these commandments. These commandments focus on how we treat other people. You don't murder. You don't steal. You don't commit adultery. You don't lie about them. You honor your father and and your mother. You treat your neighbor better than yourself. In Matthew 22, Jesus is talking to, to, uh, again, a lawyer. And he said to him, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. This is the great and first commandment. And the second is like it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. On these two commandments depend all the law and the prophets. 
And so the first table of commandments, one through four, if you will, these are the commandments that, that, that deal with your heart. And then when your heart is right toward God, your heart will be right toward other people, all kinds of people, whether they look like you or smell like you or sound like you or have your background or not, all people are your neighbors. And so if you, if you love God supremely from your heart, that's the issue here. And did this man love God supremely from his heart? And the answer to the question is no. So Jesus went straight for his heart. Young man said, I've, I've kept all those commandments. I haven't killed anybody. I haven't stolen from anybody. I haven't lied to anybody. Treated my parents with respect. Haven't been unfaithful to my spouse. All of these things. I've done all of these things. What more do I lack? You see, you can keep the law and keep the law, but you can't keep it perfectly. What he lacked in his life was the one true and living God. He liked Jesus. Because we see very clearly, Jesus goes straight for his heart, goes straight to who this man's God is. The man's God is his stuff. The man's God is his money. And Jesus doesn't even have to convict the man. The man is struggling here. He knows that he is lacking something. What? Something's missing. And some of you are here this day. And you've been going to church your whole life. And you go to Bible studies and you, you, you read your Bible every day, and maybe you even have family worship, and you spend time, but there's still something missing. Because you see, you can do all that stuff, that which we have been taught to do in the church. You can do all of that stuff and die and go to hell. Because those things will not save you. Those things reflect the fact that God is supreme in your life. God is supreme in your heart. There's an instinctive human awareness that legalism, checking the boxes, does not produce life. That those things will call us to fall short of relationship with God. So the man said, I've kept all the commandments. Jesus didn't, didn't challenge him on that. I'm, I'm sure he could have. I mean, nobody has, has kept the law perfectly, and that was the point. But the young man knew that he had this, this sense of inadequacy and something very different was needed in his life. He just lacked something. And so Jesus says, here's what you need to do. Now, this is a very specific incident. This is, is geared toward this man. He gave two commandments, and they would end up with, with, with two results. First of all, he must sell all of his possessions. And then give the proceeds that he receives to that, give that to the poor. That's the first thing that, that he must do. Those things go together. 
I mean, he could have sold his possessions and kept the money and then just bought more. Man, he's, he's completely poor if he follows what Jesus says. He's given it all away. That's the first thing. And then the second thing is, you've got to follow me in discipleship. This, Jesus is inviting him to become uh, part of the, the, the little troop of disciples. If you be perfect, go sell what you possess, give it to the poor, you'll have treasure in heaven, and come. Come follow me. Go on the road with me. And when we come to Christ, we are walking with him. We are following him. We follow the paths that he has shown us in the word. God's word is a lamp unto our feet and a light unto our path. He leads us through the spirit of God and shows us the ways that we must go. Because you see, the man loved his stuff more than he loved God. Ridding himself of what he loved the most in this world and following Jesus would make him uh, perfect is the word that's there in the, in the English, but completely whole, completely mature. In other words, you will receive what you need. You will uh, receive eternal life. Trust in me. Repent of your sin of idolatry. Come to me. Follow me. And you will have the blessings of eternal life. And that's what he asked about, right? Right? What, what good deed am I missing in my life so I can have eternal life? And the good deed is love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. Repent, turn from your sin, and come with me. That's the gospel. A true disciple will give up absolutely anything that stands in his way of following Christ, even if it's everything that he or she possesses. Give it all up for Christ because he is worth more than the entire world. What does it gain a person if they gain the whole world and lose their soul? And the blessings of heaven are greater than the, all of the stuff the world has to offer. And that was standing in his way. And as you and I look at this, you got to ask yourself the question, and Christians, this is for us too. Do you love the Lord your God completely? Because you see, without that love, the love that only a relationship with Jesus Christ can produce... Works profit nothing. Now, when you're in Christ, you will do good works because you want to look like Christ and you want to share the blessings of Christ. And when you help someone, they will listen to you and then you can lead them. Jim LaValley gave the young man at his door $20 just to bless him. And then what? The young man would listen to him. If Jim said, go away, leave me alone. You're not supposed to be knocking on my door at this time of day. Leave me alone. Just go. And the guy would have walked away and said, man, what a grouchy old guy. But Jim shows up filled with the Spirit, looking like Jesus. Here, let me give you something. Now, will you listen to me? And the young man said, yeah, I'll listen. And he did not go away sorrowful. 
He went away rejoicing, right? Did you know I was going to preach on this this morning when you told us? This man goes away sorrowful because he's got so much stuff that he won't get rid of. He will not follow Christ. Jesus hit the nail right on the head. He uncovered the area of the man's life that was bothering the man. What am I lacking? You are lacking a true love for God because you are worshiping your possessions. Get rid of those. Turn and repent. Come and follow me. It is the gospel of Jesus Christ. And Jesus starts with the law because when you see that you cannot keep the, the law you see your failure, then you realize, wait a minute, if I'm going to be right with, with God, I need Christ. Because He is the one who flawlessly kept God's law in our place. Romans chapter 5, verses 20 and 21 tell us, Now the law came in to increase the trespass. But where sin increased, grace abounded all the more. You had to see, the law shows us our, our sin and our need for a Savior. So that as sin reigned in death, grace also might reign through righteousness, leading to eternal life through Jesus Christ, our Lord. The young man had come to the right place. He had come to the author of salvation. He had come to the one who is heading within just a few months to the bloody cross to pay for the sins of his people, to atone for his own. He came to the right person. He heard the message and he walked away. Are you going to walk away? I mean, he lied to Jesus just like he lied to himself. Oh, I've kept the law. Are you lying to yourself? You and I have got to ask these deep questions of ourselves as we live. We've got to test ourselves, examine ourselves, Paul told the church in Corinth, to see, be sure that we are in the faith. What's more important to you than living and following Jesus Christ? If there's anything in there, then you have an idol that must be cast down. And you know if that's... The Spirit of God is convicting you if that's what's the case in your life. I mean, he, the young man just wouldn't make that kind of sacrifice. Are you willing to sacrifice anything that Christ asks you to sacrifice? He didn't go away just a little sad. He went away grieving. Because what was keeping him from eternal life was the thing that he loved and worshipped the most. What is that in your life? We live in an extremely affluent culture. Probably, maybe, the poorest among us may have had even more than this man had. And this man had a lot. Very difficult for a rich person, Jesus said in verse 24, to enter God's kingdom. And that really shouldn't surprise us. I mean, he, he goes on, he underscores it. Again, I say to you, uh, it, it's easier for the camel, a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for a rich person to enter the kingdom of God. 
And I know you've heard all the explanations if you've been around churchy things. Well, Jesus wasn't really talking about a, 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 a needle. Yeah, he was. No, 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 no. Jesus was talking about a gate in, in Jerusalem, and a camel had to get down on its knees, and you had to take off its packs and everything, but the camel then had to go through on his knees. No. That means it's possible for the camel to go through there, right? What's Jesus' point? You take the smallest opening that they knew about. You take the largest animal. Other cultures used the elephant, but they didn't have elephants. So they used, Jesus used the camel. That's got to go through here in order to be saved. Is that possible? No. It's not possible. Jesus says it is hard for a rich person who has their interests divided. And I will say it is impossible, but it is impossible for any one of you to come to faith in Christ on your own by doing good works, by earning your way, by, by obeying even the, the, all of the law. There's no way, because if you fail at one point of the law, of the law you've just failed at all of it. Only Christ can save. Only Christ lives perfectly. Only Christ brings the possibility of salvation. And if your heart is set upon wealth and riches, and as our brother was leading us in prayer on fame and on power and on work and on even good things like our families and all of those, if those are your God, then you are lost. And God has not asked all of us to walk away from all of our money. But if you have money, he has asked you uh, to uh, use it for his kingdom's work. And, and quite frankly, as one writer put it, if you just took solace in the fact that I said not everybody has to give away all of their stuff, if you said, boy, I sure am glad about that, then you might have a problem. You might love your stuff too much. Are you willing, as many of our brothers and sisters are, are you willing to be dragged out of your home and away from everything that you know and love for the sake of Christ and bear his name bravely to the grave? Are you willing to walk away from whatever it is that stands between you and God? That's the question. Jesus wasn't condemning wealth, but he's condemning anything that controls your heart. Would you bow with me? We'll return to this next week. But here we stand. Christians and non-Christians alike, challenged by the word of God. If you are here and you have never come to faith in Christ, you have never repented of your sin, what is preventing you? What is standing in your way? What do you love more than you love God? What do you love more? Is there something that is keeping you from Christ? Give it away. Get rid of it. Follow Jesus.
Maybe it's a hobby. Maybe it's a sport. Whatever it is, are you willing to walk away and walk to Christ? That's the question for you if you've never come to faith in Christ. And then the question for you who are here as believers, has something arisen in your life that is detracting and distracting you from following Christ completely? Has the Lord been trying to, to do a work in your life and lead you in a direction and you have resisted and resisted and resisted? When the Son of Man will sit on his throne, you who have followed him will sit on the throne with him. Is that not worth losing everything? Walking away from anything? God's grace is able to deliver all of us from the bondage that we are in, whether it's bondage to, to, to self or bondage to pride or whatever it is. But if it were not for the grace of God, no one could be saved. By grace you have been saved through faith. This is not of your own doing, Paul says. It's the gift of God. It is the free gift of God, not a result of works, so that no one may boast. For we are his workmanship, created in Christ for good works. You see, we do the good works because we are in Christ, not to earn our way to Christ. Good works that God has prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. Christian, are you walking in light of the teaching of Scripture? Maybe you need somebody to just come alongside of you and pray with you about a decision that you need to make about giving something up to pursue Christ. How can we help you? We are here. We stand ready as your pastors to help you. Oh God, strike every heart this morning. Lord, if there are idols that have arisen in the life of any believer, then I pray, oh God, that they will tear it down and that you will crush it and then take it and use it for your kingdom. Lord John Christ, save souls. If you need to pray with somebody, Josh is out those doors and the other people, right? Those doors are just opposite of me. You can rise and you can go there now. And someone will pray with you. Someone will talk with you about your need for salvation or whatever it is that the Lord would lead you to. Maybe it's about your marriage. Maybe it's about your, your view of children. Whatever it may be. This morning, would you come in humility to the throne of Christ? and cast yourself at his feet. Lord, give strength and direction and leadership in all of these things. This is my prayer. Through Christ I pray. Amen. Let's respond.